0: Let's pray. Lord, we look to you. God, I'm so grateful for your word and your precious promises. I'm so grateful, God, that you've got us. And Lord, I pray that as I speak, that you would cause us, uh, our hearts to be affected, that we together would worship you better and live for you well in Joburg. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. So we're in this series called Bless, which is actually more of a campaign in the American sense of the word. We're on a campaign trail here. Um, And uh, I want to start by telling a story about the the author and Bible teacher, Beth Moore. Anyone know who Beth is? Okay, my wife has been incredibly blessed. I'm using that word again. I'm going to use that word a lot. It's not a word I use often. Lauren has been so encouraged through this lady's input in the the Bible studies that she and a number of other women have been involved in. Estia leads one here on a Wednesday. If you're a lady and you can get away in the week, there's an amazing Bible study that goes on here, and Beth is the main teacher into that. But I'm going to tell a story from Beth's life, okay? So I'm going to tell a bit of the story, and then I'm going to read some of of it in her own language. So she tells the story of uh, being in an airport early one morning. She's going to catch a flight. And so while she's waiting for her flight, she is reading her Bible and she's praying and seeking God. And she looks up and across from her she sees this old man who is sitting in a wheelchair. And he's kind of slumped over and he's incredibly thin. But the thing that struck her was that his hair was very long and a complete mess. It was matted, it it was not in good shape. And so she tries to stop staring at him, um, and uh, she begins feeling some emotions. I'm gonna pick it up in her words. I'd walked with God long enough to see the handwriting on the wall. I've learned that when I begin to feel what God feels, something so contrary to my natural feelings, something dramatic is bound to happen. Immediately began to resist. Anyone identify with that? (laughs) I started arguing with God in my mind. Oh God, please no. Don't make me witness to this man. Then I heard it. I don't want you to witness to him. I want you to brush his hair. The words were so clear, my heart leapt into my throat and my thoughts spun like a top. She then goes on to talk about how anxious she was and how she was trying to reason with God. Now, this is not a good idea. <laughs> I do not need to brush this dude's hair. But eventually she goes over to him. May I have the pleasure of brushing your hair? To which he responded in volume 10. Little lady, if you expect me to hear you, you're going to have to talk louder than that. At this point, I took a deep breath and blurted out, Sir, may I have the pleasure of brushing your hair? I think her accent's kind of like that. You know? <laughs> at which point, every eye in the place started right at me. I watched him look at me with absolute shock on his face and say, if you really want to, Are you kidding? Of course I didn't want to, but God didn't seem interested in my personal preference right about then. Yes, sir, I would be pleased, but I have one little problem. I don't have a hairbrush. (laughs) I have one in my bag, he responded. So she goes to the back of his wheelchair, he's got like a tog bag, reaches in gets the hairbrush and starts uh, brushing the dude's hair. She continues. A miraculous thing happened to me as I started brushing that old man's hair. Everybody else in the room disappeared. There was no one alive for those moments except that old man and me. I brushed and brushed. And I brushed until every tangle was out. I know this sounds so strange, but I've never felt that kind of love for another soul in my entire life. I believe with all my heart. I, for that few minutes, I felt a portion of the very love of God. The emotions were so strong and so pure, I knew they had to be God's. His hair was finally as soft and smooth as an infant's. I slipped the brush back in the bag went around the chair to face him. I got back down on my knees. I put my hands on his knees and said, Sir, do you know my Jesus? He said, Yes, I do. I've known him since I married my bride. She wouldn't marry me until I got to know the Savior. He said, You see, the problem is, I haven't seen my bride in months. I've had open heart surgery and she's been too ill to come and see me. I was sitting here thinking to myself, what a mess I must be for her. Beth concludes, only God knows how often he allows us to be part of a divine moment. When we're completely unaware of the significance, God had intervened in details only he could have known. It was a God moment, and I'll never forget it. I wonder how you feel when you hear stories like that. I mean, I, even reading it, I was feeling like goosebumps. Maybe you're hiding a tear behind your mask. Perhaps when you read stories like that, you are a little bit terrified because it's please God, don't. Get me to do something like that. You see, I think sometimes I love to hear stories like that about others. I'm just not that keen on doing crazy stuff like that myself. Anyone like me? (laughs) However, friends, if we're going to take the mission of Jesus seriously, we are going to be in for an adventure. I mean, there's something so beautiful about the attention to detail that God showed that that man through Beth humbling herself. And who knows where God might send us or who he might send us to, whose hair he might call us to brush, who he might ask us to buy a coffee for or a bottle of water for or a loaf of bread for. See, following Jesus isn't meant to be comfortable, but it sure is meant to be life-changing. So we're in this series, how to bless your neighbor, how to bless your neighbor, which is really all about us fulfilling the mission of our church, which is helping people in neighborhoods and nations get and keep God first in their lives. And we had this big picture vision. We thought, how can we make this practical in the medium term? And so we one of the things we came up with was that we wanted to be known for our love and service of the people in our community. And so really, how to bless your neighbor is really serving to help us fulfill that mission. And friends, I want to remind you, this isn't just my mission. This isn't just Don's mission or Lauren's mission. This is our mission. This is what we are called to. We are called to be a blessing to the community in which we find ourselves. And so often, you know, time's ticking. I'm, I'm 49 this year. Uh, that's why I love you old dogs that are friends of mine. Do you know that if you are younger than 49, you are very young? <laughs> so often we sit on the sidelines and we don't get in the game. And time is ticking. We've only got one life to live. We, we, we sit on the sidelines waiting for someone else to play the game. Someone else to do the mission. But actually all of us are called to be on the field. To be playing. To be following Jesus. And So instead of helping people find their way back to God. Helping people get and keep God first. We sit around hoping That they will. Oh God, I hope that my sister will come to know you. But actually, it's time for us to be more practically helping people find their way back to God. And really this campaign, I'm not calling it a series, is about helping us live out the mission of Jesus. To actually be living what we're called to, that we would be a blessing to the people and places that we are sent. Now, last week Don told us this strategy isn't new. In fact, if you go back to the very first book of the Bible in Genesis 12, we see the commission to Abraham was that God would bless him, bless them and they would be a blessing. I think it's on the screen behind me. This is our story too. This is what we call to. God has blessed us that we could be a blessing. So the next five weeks, we are going to be working through the word bless, using it as an acronym, I think that's the word, B-L-E-S-S, yeah. Today we are starting with B, and the starting point for this is that we begin with prayer. We begin with prayer. So it actually should be P, prayer, right, but they kind of force it into the... Begin with prayer. Now, we're talking about prayer, and I know if, if you like me, as soon as someone says this morning we're talking about prayer, there's something in you that goes, I'm not that good at that. I'm not that good at it. Because prayer is one of those things. It's, it's kind of like exercise. It's kind of like flossing your teeth. You know that it's good for you. You know that you need to do it. It's just not easy to do. I don't know how many of you, when you get in the chair at the dentist, and he or her says to you, so, are you flossing your teeth regularly? you tempted to lie. <laughs> Am I the only one? No. There was a very small murmur there. <laughs> you see, prayer can be like that for us. We know we need to do it. We want to do it. But it can be hard to be consistent in it. And there's some good reasons for it. There's some bad reasons for it, but there's a bunch of reasons. I'm going to give you three reasons why a prayer can be hard. First the one is sometimes we don't know how to do it. No one's ever taught us to pray. The only prayers that we've ever heard are those prayers at the, at the dinner table where someone gives thanks for the food. And so that we can do. My favorite movie moment of all times, one of, is in Meet the Parents when, um, what's his name? Zoolander. Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller gets to the house. Robert De Niro is the dad and he says, won't you say grace for us? And in the movie he's this Jewish guy but he's not very religious so he's got no idea. So he thinks, well the way to say grace is to just string together all the big words he knows because God will be impressed with big words, you know. Oh father, glorious father. And he goes on, it's hilarious but I digress. Sometimes that's the only praying we've been taught. And so sometimes maybe we need to say to one another, say, hey, how do you pray? Can you give me some tips on what would help me to pray? Another reason we don't pray is because we're too busy. I think this for Joe Burgers is probably the key one because prayer takes time. It takes focus. It takes energy, which are three things that we don't have a lot of in our city because we're giving them all over the place. And the busyness crowds out important things in our life. And prayer is one of them. Maybe you don't pray because you doubt that it actually works. Maybe you have prayed and you didn't seem to get the answers you were looking for and so you've kind of given up on praying. Now, I'm sure there are many other reasons why we are not as good at praying as we would like to be. I kind of feel like for us to move beyond the hoping that people find God to actually beginning to help them, where we would have more stories like Beth's story of God leading us to be a blessing to a person, I kind of sense that we actually need to start by getting into this prayer thing. And the motivation for that isn't because we need to try harder The motivation is that Jesus, the one who we follow, the example for us, he did it this way. He was prayerful before he did stuff. And so it's useless us running out the door saying, okay, I'm going to go and brush someone's hair for the glory of God. No, we need to be saying, Jesus, help us. I want to hear your voice so that when I go out that door, I can follow your lead and your guide. See, Jesus' life was characterized by prayer. And his life was the ultimate example of being a blessing. Everywhere Jesus went, people had this God moment. You know, the Americans, it's so funny, I listen to some of these American podcasts, people who aren't even Christians, they talk about a moment in their life where they had their come to Jesus moment. And they're not even Christians. But they, what they're using that phrase for is that I came to my senses. I had a, like an awakening of sorts. But actually, if you read the story about stories about Jesus, the first four books of the New Testament, the Gospels, everyone who encountered the, Him had a real come-to-Jesus moment. They, they encountered God. See, He lived out this whole campaign of bless to the fullest. And He began with prayer. I want to just point out some of them, picking up the book of Luke. Luke 3. Jesus prays at his baptism. The heavens are open. The Spirit comes on him. Luke 5, we see he had this regular practice of withdrawing by himself to pray. Luke 9, he, we see he prays before doing miracles, asking God to help him, to bless his work. Luke 22, we see him praying for his friends that they wouldn't depart, that they would, their faith would remain. That's in the garden. He he prays the whole night in the garden before going to the cross. His most important act, he spends the night before praying. I want us to focus on one event I haven't haven't mentioned yet. We see it in Luke 6. And what he's doing here is he's now deciding from his 120 odd or 100 whatever odd disciples, he's going to pick 12 to be apostles. And we see him... Going about this, Luke 6, 12 to 16. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. He spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called the disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, called Peter, his brother Andrew. James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew. Thomas, called Doubting Thomas. James, son of Alphaeus. Simon, who was called the zealot, Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. So here we find Jesus wanting to identify people that he is going to invest his life in. He's going to pour himself out into these guys. And I think sometimes we underestimate the the caliber of the people that he had to choose from. It wasn't like, okay, you know... The first 12 that came along, he had a big following at that stage. He was the hottest thing in town. Better than sliced bread, you know. He was, everyone was coming from all over the countryside to see him. This was like the height of his awesomeness. Everyone was being gathered to him. He hadn't started teaching them difficult things yet. Like you need to, you know, hate your mother and father, Uh, you know, There won't be a place for you to lay your your head. Um, And so he's got the masses coming. And he would have had people that had good potential. He would have had people who had good leadership, gifting. He would have had people that their personalities kind of made a way for them. He would have had people that were well educated, good theologians. And yet he knows the stakes are high. Why? Because he's pouring himself out into these 12. And these 12 are essentially going to be... The, the next generation that will lead the church in blessing the world. This is a big deal. And so he goes and prays. He goes and prays for a whole night. Now Luke doesn't tell us what he prayed. It doesn't tell, he doesn't tell us what God responded to him and what plan he gave him. But what he does tell us is in the morning he had absolute clarity of thought. He knew exactly what he was doing and he called 12 to himself. Now and these choices weren't obvious, Right? He chooses fishermen, he chooses a tax collector, he chooses a zealot, a religious zealot. And he even chooses the dude who later betrays him. But the important thing to see here is, friends, when we begin with prayer, actually sometimes God leads us to people, to places that are not obvious. You know, when Lauren and I put our hands up to be part of a church plant, 18, 19 years ago, Joburg was not the obvious destination immediately. We're living in the Cape. Kind of, Plet would have been nice. <laughs> George, nice golf courses. But, like, guys, when we start with prayer, God begins to point us where He wants us to go. And I'm so grateful that we ended up here. This is the greatest city in the continent. But sometimes what's obvious to us is not always what God has in mind. And sadly, we often rely too much on our own wisdom and our own means of coping. I'm the first to put my hand up. Like, I'm quite capable at getting things done often. And so often I get myself in a mess because I go down an alley instead of just starting. I say, God, actually, what is it you want me to do here? Let me not assume on you. And so, friends, I want to argue, I want to suggest that if we are to help people, we need to begin with prayer. That we're not just sitting around hoping, but that we're actually following Him. You see, in prayer, there's some significant things that happen. When we come before Him in prayer, we open our hearts out to God that his spirit can lead us. We, we become tender hearted toward him. We begin to recognize his voice. You see, Beth didn't do that ludicrous thing on a whim. She had learned to identify the voice of God. So she got to that point point. she knew I have to obey, right? <laughs> this is God speaking. But it's only through time and prayer that you begin to recognize the voice of God and his promptings. It's through prayer that we begin to get focused. We begin to get the direction we need. Hudson Taylor, missionary to China, said the following. He said, do not have your concert first and then tune your instrument afterwards. So don't get in the car, rush down to Joburg CBD, start doing your stuff before you first tune your instrument. Begin the day with the word of God and prayer and get first of all into harmony with Him. And so the challenge I'm wanting to set for us in this begin with prayer is that I want to call us as a community to set aside time for prayer every day. Now, I know many of you already do that. But I'm wanting to say, come guys, let's make a fresh commitment toward being a people of prayer you might not be doing this you might have never done this i'm not asking you to give a night i'm not asking you to spend a night praying i'm asking you to just give a bit of time every day and i'm going to give you a practical approach here okay there's three p's i learned that from the baptists number one we start with a plan Things that are important to us get into our calendars. About three and a half years ago, I was having some significant back trouble. Lauren was struggling to get fit, and we decided, okay, we're going to sign up for CrossFit. But we then quickly realized, actually, the only class that we were going to make together was 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., and I'm normally in the office before 8 a.m. at that stage. And so we realized, flip, we're going to have to adjust our schedules. And so I began to adjust my whole way of working my schedule around being able to be at that 8 to 9 a.m. class, which we did for three years until I recently retired. <laughs> you know, for us, it's really important that we at the significant moments in our kids' journey. And so I try and plan the rhythm of my week, my month, my year, around being able to be at those key concerts, at those key sports matches. I must tell you a funny story. Last week, I'm in Dar es Salaam, and I'm uh, sitting with a friend and I start getting text messages from the side of the cricket field back in Joburg. And one of my sons scored 100 for the first time in his career. (laughs) And (laughs) And I was in Dar es Salaam. It was, it was quite humorous. But generally, <laughs> I try and organize my life to be at the key moments. You know, as a family, we don't take weekends away. Because I work on a Sunday, so I have a Friday off. But what that means is that we prioritize family holidays. And so I, when I look at the year, I put those things in before I put in just about anything else. So friends, we do this in our lives. When things are important to us, we put them in our diaries and we work around them. It's the same with prayer. We need to be intentional about setting aside time to be with God. Now, I want to give you three suggestions, three ways that could maybe help you. Just so you know, with me, when it comes to prayer, I kind of change every two or three years because I start getting into a rut and then I need to throw things up. So I came across this idea, which I'm calling a five and five. Five and five. If you want to start praying, try this out. When your alarm goes off at 5.30 in the morning or 6 o'clock or whatever time you get up, don't get out of bed. Switch the light on. Sit up in bed and for five minutes, take time to pray. Take time to speak to the Lord. Then get up and get on with your day. When you get into bed at night, don't turn out the light. Get into bed and for five minutes have some time of prayer again. And that way you'll be doing five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the evening, and you will have got started on a journey of prayer. I'll give you another idea. These are just ideas. I'm chucking them out. I want to help. I'm here to serve. Use your phone. You book meetings on your phone. You book reminders on your phone. Book a meeting with yourself in the day. So if you're in a corporate job, you might want to go find a boardroom. You might want to go sit in a car. You might want to go sit in a garden, wherever you can go. You book times on your phone when you can actually go and spend some time praying. When your alarm goes off, you don't just say cancel alarm, carry on with the spreadsheet or whatever it is you do. Get up from your desk, go find a quiet place and spend some time praying. Just book it. Book a meeting with yourself. If someone says to you, hey, can we chat at ten 30? Say, sorry, I've got another meeting. Can we do 11? The third one I want to do, which is the one I'm doing at the moment, I wake up early in the morning. I go and I make coffee and tea for the family. I go and I drop off their tea and I do what's needed to get them moving. They begin to go as teenagers do, not with great pace. They begin to go and get themselves ready for the day, and I take my coffee back to my room. They're getting on, getting ready, and I take some time where I do my Bible reading, and I begin to pray. And what I do is I write my prayers down. And sometimes I write a lot, and sometimes I write a little. But every day, I have five things. I have five bullet points, and I number them one to five. Number one is always one of my family members. And I just rotate. So it might be Monday, it's Lauren. Tuesday, Jonathan. Wednesday, Oliver. Thursday, I miss because I'm at another meeting. Friday, it's Francesca. The next day comes again, it's back to Lauren. And I pray through the four members of my immediate family under number one. One of them. Under number two, I pray for one of the elders in our church and their family. So I'll go, it might be Dave today, Don and Z tomorrow. It might be someone else the next day. And it's, it's completely random, it doesn't, I'm, I'm not that parat about keeping who, a track, but I go through them under number two. Number three, under number three, I pick someone in our church, and I'll pray for you. Tim Perks, there you go, praying for you today. Tomorrow, it might be someone from Brom or the evening service, wherever, or someone I know is going through a difficult time. And I get in the habit. Number three, I pray for someone in our church. Number four, I pray for other Christian friends out there who are going through stuff. So just this week, under number four, I was praying for some of the, 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 the pastor friends I have in Ukraine. Might be not a hectic situation, might be a really good thing happening. I pray for it under number four. Number five, I pray for a friend of mine who's not a follower of Jesus. And so every day I cover those five things. And sometimes they're really quick, bullet, kind of Jesus bless them kind of thing. And some of them I really ask God for stuff. But that way I know that I'm just in this habit of praying into these different areas of my life. It's so easy. You Just write a number down, one, and you know what you're praying for. Give it a try. Start with a plan. That's my plan. I'm sharing my plan just in case it inspires you. You don't have to do it. Number two, prepare your heart for the adventure. Okay? So we need to say, God, prepare me. Help me to obey you. Help me to hear you. He might be sending you to brush someone's hair. You know, Jesus said this. He said, I only do the things I see my father doing. We need to be saying, God, help me to see what you're doing. When you see him doing something, then you pile in and you do it. So that's two Ps: plan, prepare, and then finally ask God to show you the people and places He wants you to bless. We're called to be a blessing to the city, but I don't think we're meant to just have like a shotgun or a hosepipe and just. I think God, like God, is wanting to direct us. You might be. Praying in your five minutes before you get out of bed in the morning and just all you do is part of that, you begin thinking, where am I going today? Who am I seeing today? And begin asking God, who are the people you want me to bless? Who are the people you want me to give myself to today? Now, we've had these little cards made. Thank you to uh, Scala and Paul for scampering around to get them done on short notice. As we begin on this journey of praying, one of the questions we're going to ask is, God, who do you want me to bless? And when you have a, like an impression or a sense, it's Kirsten from my workplace. Just write the name down on here and continue to pray for that person until such time as you actually have an opportunity to execute you have an opportunity to do something that blesses that person. See, there's just three lines there. You know, fill up the card. If you want another one, you can get another one. And once you begin ticking them off, like I brushed Kirsten's hair, <laughs> whatever it is, oh, that's a joke. You can add new names, but like, this is just practical. Put it in your wallet and begin to think. When you have time, you might be uh, doing a school run. You might be fetching your kids from school at five in the evening waiting for the rugby practice to finish. Pull out your wallet and just say, oh God, I pray for, for whoever's on that card. might be a co-worker, a client, neighbors in your complex, in your street, your kids, friends, parents. might be a staff member at your local coffee shop that you go to. Ask God for an opportunity to bless them. You know, a few years ago, Wally was with us. And maybe you will get an opportunity, because he was talking about how we are salty and how we are able to make a difference in people's lives. And one of the ways is to meet a practical need. It might be that someone just needs some practical need from you. You might need to do a lift for them. You You might need to make a meal for them. There's a practical need you can meet. Maybe it's that you will just provide a listening ear. You just give them some of your time. Instead of rushing on to the next task at work, you go to your office, you close the door and say, man, I can see that you're going through a tough time. Do you, do you need to talk about it? It may even be that you invite them to come along to church. After talking to them, you might say, hey, listen, I think it might really help you to come to our church and, and you might find some hope for this issue there. Here's the thing, going back to Beth's story, when the door opens, when the opportunity arises, we still have a choice. We have a choice to say, no (laughs) ways, you cannot be asking me to do that, Lord, or we can choose to be bold and courageous and take the opportunity and open our mouth, open our ears, offer, offer, offer to meet a need. So let's be bold. I'm coming into land. This mission of helping people find their way back to God is meant to be an adventure. And imagine what it would be like not just to hear stories of what other people do, but if we all were living our own stories. If we all came with stories like Beth's story, as ridiculous as it was. Because, friend, if you're a Christ follower, if you're a disciple of Jesus, that's His plan for you. Is that you would live in pa- partnership with Him and you would have your own stories to tell. I was desperately sad that I had to start with a story from an American Bible teacher from Texas, wherever she's from, or South Carolina, a southern accent, I know. That I didn't have a story like that to share with you. That was ridiculous and out there. Not because I really want to be brushing any old man's hair in the airport. But like, man, I want to be part of God's story. I want to be part of Him meeting needs in people's lives. I want to be part of seeing Him restore hope and bring people back to Him. So we're going to end off this morning by actually praying as a, as a practical um, task. So we're going to pray quietly, just in our own hearts. I'm to ask you just to take a few moments. And I want us to ask God for three things. We're going to start by asking Him just to give us the desire to pray. Because as soon as someone talks about prayer, you can feel overwhelmed. We shouldn't be. It's just talking to God, but, but we can feel pressure, right? So just start by asking God, why don't you give me a desire to pray? Secondly, God, prepare my heart to be responsive to you, to be on an adventure with you. And then thirdly, God, won't you show me someone that I can bless, that I can be part of sharing hope with? And so I'm going to give us just one minute in silence in our own hearts. won't you pray those three things, and then I'll finish by praying for us. Father God, you are awesome. There's no one that compares to you. And God, we confess that we struggle with this. We want to be more like Jesus. But Father, thank you that you've invited us to come. And I pray that you'd give us a fresh desire to pray. I want to pray that you'd prepare our hearts to be responsive, to join your great adventure that we would be a blessing to others. And I pray that you would make it obvious to us the places we need to go, the people that we or that you are calling us to bless. I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Cool, guys. I'm hoping that we are going to have some stories to share in the coming weeks and months of how we too are following him into blessing others. But have a great week. Let's put God first. Join us for tea and coffee, especially you visiting. We'd love to meet you. We'd love to hear your story, where you're going, how you got here, and have a great day. Let's fetch our kids as well, please.